This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. A, 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 a Giants podcast for Giants fans. By Giants fans. It's Sean Morash and Paul Dotino. Down the sideline, into the end zone. Touchdown, Giants! From the offseason, through the wins and the losses, it's time to take one, one, one Giants Giant step. step. All right, it's a game preview edition of One Giant Step. Sean Morash, Paul Dottino. Again, this is Odyssey and 2400 Sports. New York Giants, bi-weekly? No, bi-weekly is dumb. Twice a week, whatever you would call it. I don't know the references there. We put out two podcasts a week, damn it. A game recap and a game preview, and we're all pumped up for our 5-1 and one Giants. Paul, hello, how are you? Uh, good morning, Sean. You know, it's one thing to say the Giants are five and one. It's another thing to say the Jags are two and four and have lost three in a row. We're going to dissect this sucker, but I don't think either one of us are going to be surprised by what the other guy's predicting. Yeah, yeah. I, we were just talking very briefly in our, our what's well, not called a pre-show meeting, but Paul and I have both dug deep, watched back on a lot of Jaguar games, and you know, not to tease anything, but Paul and I might be both agreeing on a prediction at the end of this podcast. All right, Paul. First, before we actually tackle in depth and matchups and what we think could happen in this game, a little bit on the Giants here, where we are at this week. First and foremost, again, as I tell everybody every single week during this game preview podcast, we are taping this ahead of Thursday's injury report. We're basing a lot on Wednesday's injury report and the trends. All signs seem to indicate at this point, Paul, barring a setback, an enormous getback for the Giants could be Aziz Ojolari this week. And boy, it feels like we literally have not seen Aziz, Kayvon Thibodeau, Leonard Williams, and Dexter Lawrence playing football at the same time, swarming quarterbacks. And we might have an opportunity to see that this week. I'm going to pump the brakes on that one, Sean. I'm not so sure that we will see him. How about Quincy, Quincy Roche is ready to go, ready to be elevated off the practice squad should they decide to go there. Uh, 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 Zimenez has a quad, okay. so that's also an issue with the Giants' depth at outside linebacker. You know, the problem with these calves, which is what Ojolari has, is that you could feel better one day and worse the next. And doctors really have not been able to isolate this. We've talked about this on past shows. There are some injuries, like a sprained MCL, nine times out of ten, it's two to four weeks. Okay, that's what it turned out to be also with Leonard Williams, by the way. Uh, that's what it turned out to be with Wondell Robinson. He missed four weeks. Mm-hmm. That's the way these things seem to go. These Cavs things, not that way. It's really a roll of the dice, and you just never know. So I'm not going to uh, be too optimistic about Algelari until I see him on the field. All right. Well, there we go. Paul already throwing cold water on any optimism I had for getting one of the Giants' best defensive players back on the football field. All right. As far as other other receivers go, 
Of course, Kadarius Tony and Kenny Galladay aren't practicing and aren't going to play because, well, seemingly they never play and never practice. So we're not <laughs> neither here nor there on those guys. So expect more of the same from the receiving core. But though, Paul, I did find it interesting, and it could be simply a downplay by Brian Dable. He has really, really doused the idea now twice in press conferences this week that Saquon's shoulder is going to be any kind of an issue here, really downplaying the injury to Saquon Barkley, where we saw it basically looked like it was dangling on Sunday and he was willing himself to finish that game. Yeah, well, you know, look, we all know that there's load management and uh, veteran maintenance that goes on during the course of the week as the season progresses. And so, to be frank, Barkley's the kind of guy who has proven enough to this coaching staff that if they need to pull back on the reins a little bit during the week to allow him to go full on Sunday, uh, I think they've made up their minds that they're okay with that. So the question that should be asked to to uh, Coach Dable isn't, okay, is he a full go on Sunday? Yeah, he's going to be a full go on Sunday. The better question is, are you going to have to manage him during the course of the week so that you can have him as a full go on right. Sunday? That's the more intelligent question. But you don't expect that out of this press corps, do you? No, not at all. And, and on that note, Paul, of course, Saquon, I mean, look, the guy could be the MVP of the league right now, so that's where everybody's going to point to. And many, I guess, if he's the MVP of the league, we'll say he's the MVP of the Giants. I still think that's Andrew Thomas. And Andrew Thomas here dealing with injuries that right now, now they're not saying an ankle. What are they saying? An elbow with Andrew Thomas. And on top of that, you combine it with Feliciano, who had, you know, Nick Gates gave every snap to Daniel Jones earlier in the week. Where are we at with the offensive line injuries, Paul? Yeah, I wouldn't worry so much about Thomas. He's a warrior. We've seen him play through some bumps and bruises before uh, that were of similar minor kinds of issues. Feliciano with the groin told me yesterday that uh, he's a full go for the game, even though they've been limiting him during the course of the week. The thing about him, he's another one of those bulldogs. He's a blood and guts kind of guy. I know he's been inconsistent some this year. I get that. Some of the bigger, stronger, more powerful linemen have given him some issues. He provides so many intangibles, though, between his attitude, his smarts, his ability to work with Daniel on figuring out what's going on during the pre-snap. The Giants see a lot of value in him. And I do suspect that, you know, he's going to be out there on Sunday. And Bredesen will back him up just as he did for a handful of snaps last weekend. And Bredesen has played pretty well. You got to give Bredesen credit. I mean, he was uh, an ire of a lot of Giant fans' eyes and problems, and especially early in the year, after last year. Uh, and he's given the Giants valuable reps, maybe not flashy and maybe not great, and some versatility. Ben Bredesen's a guy you got to give a little credit to. Now, Paul, with that, obviously this is a guy you may not expect to play all year this week. But tell me as a Giants fan how encouraging it was to see Nick Gates giving you know all of the snaps to Daniel Jones. Now, will he get the pads on ahead of this pup window being closed? Who knows? Maybe not. Uh, I mean, right now, I still kind of feel like we're not going to see Nick Gates this year, but seeing him give snaps to Daniel Jones had to be a little encouraging. Well, Sean, I've always said, and, and this goes back to August, you'll see Nick Gates the middle of the season, probably in mid-October before Halloween. He's on schedule. For everything that I've heard that I believe for months, okay. he's on schedule. I I believe, unless there's a setback over the course of the next week when they've got to declare what they're going to do with him, that he's going to make it to the 53. Wow. I would be okay. surprised if he doesn't. Now, does that mean he's going to play? I don't know. I think the Giants have already shown a propensity that they're not afraid to use a jumbo formation with an extra lineman. They, they've clearly shown that. 
we, you know, we saw Tyree Phillips even doing it against yeah. Baltimore last week. Eligible receiver, so I think right? I think there's a there's a, a way or a path or a road to Nick Gates getting on the field this year, even if it's in a limited capacity. I'm glad you said that because there, you know, I, I things I've read, and of course, I'm not in the facility there, makes it feel like the Giants might be hesitant to give him a designation of the 53 without seeing him in pads. But if they do, Paul, you know, we know this, right? We've watched enough Giants football over the year to know this. Heck, we've been dealing with it all over the place. I mean, the Giants have really, really been able to dodge outside of Shane Lemieux other injuries along the offensive line for sustained amounts of time. Assuming that Feliciano, Bredesen, who knows when Lemieux comes back? I mean, right down the line, the one thing Nick Gates does have, I mean, we talked about playing center. Remember, he debuted at right tackle. He got hurt playing guard. He has versatility up and down that line. To assume the rest of these offensive linemen are going to be healthy the rest of the uh, rest of the year would be kind of asinine. Of course, you hope they are. But if they, you know, one guy does go down and Nick Gates is sitting there, that's a pretty valuable chess piece that can be used basically all over the offensive line. Well, that's why this all comes down to if Gates continues to show what he's showing and does not have a setback. That's the caveat, Sean. If he has a setback at some point in the next week, then I don't think he'll be activated, obviously. Let's not be foolish about this. But but all systems appear to be go. The arrows are all pointed in the right direction. Look, they just re-signed Corey Cunningham to the practice squad yesterday, okay? That shows you how interested they are in having depth on this O-line. And yep. Nick Gates, because of his versatility and because of his experience and because of the bulldog mentality he has, he could be a very valuable piece of depth. And now, look, I don't, I'm not saying that Nick Gates likes to find the camera, but two straight weeks on a lot of the Giants behind the scenes stuff, their sights and sounds videos they point out and everything else. Nick Gates' presence on that sideline and around those offensive linemen has been there. It's not exactly like he's been in hiding, not expecting to be on this team. He is every bit a part of that team on the sideline, as has Sterling Shepard still been since his injury. But Nick Gates' presence, I mean, you, I mean, it's very easy to spot the long hair, the 65 chain, but Nick Gates has been there and very present on these sidelines in these games in recent weeks. He is a beloved teammate, and they feel the same way about Shane Lemieux. And I told you this also, Lemieux's only a couple of weeks, probably behind Gates. So there are reinforcements coming. Whether or not the Giants need those guys remains to be seen, but it's great to know that there's a possibility of them being around. Now, part of this 5-1 and one start, and I found this a little shocking, and I forgot, oh, geez, did I miss this? It might have been Jeremy Fowler. It might have been Duggan. Whoever had this reported that don't sleep on the Giants maybe necessarily not being involved either selling a Tony or buying a piece, a guy on a rookie deal perhaps, at the trade deadline, Paul. There's been a guy like Chase Claypool bounding around a little bit. I'm not saying the Giants are going to be big shoppers, but it suddenly feels like Joe Shane, he's not going to trade big draft capital at all, and he's going to look for a deal that's very, very friendly. But maybe it wouldn't be surprising if the Giants do actually add a piece here, Paul, before the deadline after the start. Sean, if the Giants do anything, it's not going to be because this particular receiver on another team is the best fit and can help get them to the next level. That's not going to be the primary reason. The primary reason is going to be, A, Is he cheap enough so that Shane does not have to give up significant draft capital because he values those picks in building this team over the course of the next two to three years? And, and oh, by the way, Paul, look at the picks he took this year and why the Giants are here. How many of them are contributing in big ways? And that's the reason. Bingo. Bingo. He, He has tremendous value in those picks. And so he doesn't look at them as throwaways like many other people might. The other thing is, 
We know that they're very tight on the cap. So anybody they take in is not going to be able to accelerate their number very much. So my question to you is, what guy would possibly fit those conditions and be a significant enough upgrade from what they have now that he's going to have to feel obligated to pull the trigger? I just don't think that there's a fit out there. If I'm Pittsburgh, and I, I get it, they've got some premier younger receivers now, even though Claypool is still a young veteran, and they've got some other guys that they think they want to move ahead with. And he's in the you know a situation where they could move him. He's a, he's a tradable piece. I just don't understand how he's going to fit because if I'm Pittsburgh, I'm not giving this guy up for nickels and dimes. Yeah. He's Claypool I- too good. I agree with that. Well, Paul, then there's going to be the other name that gets bountied around. And I'm not necessarily the biggest fan, but you never know. Would you, Let me say this before I say this. Would you say that this year coming up in the offseason, when the Giants have money to spend plus all their draft picks to use, that they are going to be in the market for a guy that they think they compare Wondell Robinson as a number one wide receiver? Because I do. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt they're going to look for a top-notch receiver, but they may decide they're going to get that guy in the draft. They could. And that they, they, could. they don't have to go through free agency or a deal to do it. Well, the only reason I say that is there is a guy they could afford on this year's deal for $650,000 the rest of the year, but would have to pay him like a number one wide receiver next year, and that is DJ Moore out of Carolina. And because of his salary next year, the Carolina Panthers may not be looking for a first or second pick, but that is a guy who is a number one wide receiver in this league. Now, the question, of course, would have to be, do you trade for DJ Moore just because he's a number one receiver, or do Dable and Shane and Kafka view him as a fit? But that is another guy potentially keep your eye on here that could financially make Make it work with the Giants. I understand why you would say that, Sean. The question becomes not only, A, are you going to want to give him that balloon payment after you make the deal? And then the other question needs to be asked. Carolina, they know that there are a handful of high-quality teams who could desperately use a receiver of this caliber. Don't you think they're going to make it that a little bit of a bidding war? And they're going to drive that price up? It's true, which is why I'm going to utter two words here. Odell Beckham might be cornering the market here. Not necessarily to the Giants, but where he falls may end up leading the DJ Moore to go to the suitors who don't get Odell Beckham. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that, that that is actually a very logical scenario for people outside the Giants' walls. I just think it's going to be very difficult for them to find the match that fits all of the angles of the prism. That's now, really Paul, what it comes down to. Well, I'm not necessarily pounding the table here because you know what? If you told me we're not adding a damn thing and we're going with this and who knows what the future of Tony is, maybe you get anything out of him down the line. But the bottom line is this. If you want to stay the course with this team, I'm fine with it. I- I'm totally fine with it. I'm just shocked, though, you know, as I read through stories this week, going, wow, maybe the trends might be a little more active than I thought. Now, that being said, when you talk about tight salary caps and everything else coming up, we saw Tony Jefferson is on IR, so he's going to miss at least the next three weeks here. Where are we at with Landon Collins, Paul? You're around that facility. Are we going to see one of these practice squad elevations anytime soon? I just saw Collins do a whole bunch of conditioning drills again yesterday, and that made me think he's at least another week away. Dable himself said during his presser that uh, they're going to ramp him up this week and continue with the conditioning drills and continue to feed him the playbook. Well, when I heard that, I said, okay, it's probably going to be another week. And then when I saw what I saw – uh, that he was doing a lot more conditioning drills again, which was what Dable promised. I was pretty much convinced yeah, that it yeah. would not be this week. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and, and, and that's going to tie us and, and arrange us right into looking at this Jaguar matchup and looking at this preview. I would agree. I don't think that Landon Collins is a guy. It's funny because if you would have told me last week they brought him in some kind of spy package to look at Lamar Jackson and before it, I don't think that this is a matchup where you need to, and I hate to use this word, waste a practice squad elevation on Landon Collins if he is not ready. Now, Paul, Giants, Jaguars, Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern, down in Jacksonville, a stadium that has a pool for crying out loud. The Jaguars are two and four. Uh, and there was a moment in time after week three where people pointed the Jaguars. Maybe they're a surprise. Maybe they're a team that can win a division. Now, it is a crappy division. Remember, the Giants have already beaten the Titans down there in that division as well. Look, here's what I see, Paul, and tell me if I'm crazy. I think that the team does have upside. I think Trevor Lawrence clearly has upside. I think Doug Peterson has upside as a coach and his creativity on offense. But they are not doing what the Giants are doing in terms of getting the most out of you know the lesser talent they have. And Doug Peterson even said this a week ago. They have to learn how to finish games. Right now, they're a young team that doesn't know how to finish games, and their coach is telling you that. Well, what's one thing we've seen from Giant football over six weeks? That's a young team that has learned how to finish games. In fact, forget finish them. They've learned and, and not blinked when they've been down multiple scores versus big teams. So when I look at it from that point of view, this is not some kind of matchup the last couple of weeks where you're looking at the Giants on the field talent and going, boy, how are they going to figure out how to outcoach this one and get the most out of beating greater talent? I look at talent on both sides of the ball, and this is one of the rare matchups. I think the Giants just flat out have more of it. So if they have more of it, and they are a team that I've seen know how to finish games, where the Jaguars' own head coach is telling you they don't know how to finish games, how do I not feel confident as a Giant fan, despite the bogus three-point spread, which, by the way, started at two and has now jumped to three, where betters and everybody's just tripping over themselves to say, you know, to bet on the Giants' downfall? I don't think it's coming this week, Paul. You, you know what? I, I, I'm going to be straight with you here, Sean. I've looked at the tapes. It's hard to believe that the Giants would not be at least a touchdown favorite in this game, and I mean that, and I'm not I'm not trying to wa- ride the wave of Giants Kool-Aid right now. It's just that this is a better team. Matchup on matchup, head-to-head, it's a better team. Uh, I think what you also have to take into account is that Wink Martindale, who has used six different defensive philosophies in each of the six games they played, is going to have some really cool stuff for uh, Mr. Lawrence to view as he comes up out of the huddle and goes over center. My understanding, and you see it on tape, is that Lawrence doesn't want to settle for the safe play. He doesn't want to settle for the check down. He's going to force the ball downfield. He wants to make the big play. He has a lot of confidence for a very young quarterback in this league. Those are the kinds of things that get you in trouble when you go up against a defensive guru like Wink Martindale, who is going to break out the entire encyclopedia and show this kid what it's like to play in the NFL. I will be very surprised if he does not really flummox uh, Trevor Lawrence during the course of this game. Flummox? Is that what you just said? Really flummox? Flummox. Flummox. 
Paul, I, it took me six years to get a four-year college degree here, pal. I mean, you're going to have to dumb it down for me. But that, be, that being said, I think you're right. That's what and, Trevor Lawrence wants. He's going to yeah, want to dumb down defense dumb down. to oppose. Dumb down. And look, they spent a lot of money on Christian Kirk. If Adoree Jackson's healthy, I'm not worried in the least bit about Christian Kirk in this game. Uh, well, Holmes and, will be on him, Sean. Yeah. He's going to be mostly in the slot two-thirds of the time, and that'll be Darnay Holmes' guy. Yeah, I mean, okay, so if the Holmes is there, maybe maybe you get beat for a big play, whatever, then this, that, and the other thing. But you know what? Last week, you were all over Julian Love, maybe getting two picks. He gets one, helps seal the game. You know, those things can come in bunches for the Giants. And as you said, young quarterback like Trevor Lawrence, maybe seeing some exotic looks he hasn't seen before in the NFL because that's the kind of thing Wick Martindale does, would not shock me if the Giants, this is their two-interception game or something like that. And on top of that, Look, the Jaguars' offensive line has been hit or miss in some of these games as well. Oh, yes. by the way, they had a lot of trouble week one versus the Commanders without Chase Young. Uh, again, if you want to tell you you got better than the Jaguars, they actually lost to the Commanders in week one. Tell me that this is not a game that Kayvon Thibodeau could wreak havoc in. De uh, obviously, Dexter Lawrence up front. I I'm licking my chops if I'm the Giants' defense. This is a real, real opportunity here. And as you said, I think I think Wick Martindale's going to shine. And I, I think this is a pass rush slash turnover game for the Giants. You know, I've never been impressed with Cam Robinson. I don't know why they gave him huge money. I, I just don't think he's a an elite left tackle. Jawan Taylor's been extremely inconsistent. They brought in Brandon Sheriff and gave him a ton of money. Well, that's fine. He's a terrific player. I understand that. But now you combine that with a third-round pick and Fortner being the center. This, this is a good time to play a Jaguars team that is certainly looking to improve and, and retool and rebuild, but they're nowhere near a finished product. This is yeah. a great time if you're the Giants to play them because they've got a lot of rough edges around this team, and their secondary is, is, is given up, I believe it's the fourth most yards after the catch in the National Football League. They give up a lot of space. They give up a lot of room. And if Saquon is able to break that first line of defense, how do you think they're going to feel trying to tackle him? They got yeah. a lot of missed tackles on this defense. They don't tackle very well. Saquon is, is, yeah. is liable to bust a couple of 40-yarders. And you talked about the Kool-Aid wave as I ride this here with the Giants. Paul, the one thing that's been... I guess the only thing really that's frustrated me about the Giants season has been their slow starts offensively, but they've picked it up in the second half. And Saquon's been a closer, and Daniel Jones has had these drives where he's just commanded the huddle and taken the Giants down the field. We have now seen back-to-back -back weeks in that second half and what the Giants have done. Oh, by the way, if Saquon doesn't slide down, this is a team that and an offense that ends up scoring over 30 points in a game, something we haven't seen since my daughter Taylor was literally born beating Washington that day. She's about to be three years old, Paul, on that day was the last time the Giants scored 30 wow. points in the game. On the, cool. she, she is a walking figment of the Giants' 30-point drought. Every time I look at her, I go, that's it. That's the last time. Let's so here we are, forget. Paul. Let's well, not forget the Giants' defense provided the offense with a couple of outstanding pieces yeah. of field position. No doubt. No doubt. But what I'm saying here is they've gotten off to these slow starts, but you do sense that the Giant offense, every week that comes by, and maybe it's only in the second half and that's fine, Daniel Jones is getting more and more comfortable every single week in this offense. They're throwing more out of that treasure chest of plays out there. Wondell Robinson gets comfortable last week. Heck, Daniel Bellinger keeps picking up more and more of this playbook, and Saquon Barkley has been all-world. Paul, it feels like a wave is coming here for the Giants, where with that secondary, 
I think that we finally see the Giants score 30 points. I'm not giving my official prediction yet because we're about five minutes away from that. But there is real opportunity here to get a 30-point effort from the Giants. I like their ability to hit big plays against this defense. I also noticed from looking at the tape that the center of the field is a very, very fertile uh, spot for opposing offenses, which means Richie James should be able to have a really nice game. If they can get Wandell in there somehow with some slants and crosses, he should have some room to operate. Obviously, Bellinger uh, right. is going to have room to operate. I I honestly think that the Giants' passing attack, I think they're going to be a little more balanced this week. I, I think it, this is not necessarily going to be run heavy, have Barkley run for 90 yards, 110 yards or whatever, and go heavy, heavy, heavy on the run. I got a feeling they're going to be a lot more balanced, and, and they're going to be able to take advantage of some of the soft spots in, in that Jaguars defense and control the game that way. And, geez, dare I say a play-action pass to Darius Slayton deep? Could that happen? I guess that's possible. Anything is possible. And then You know, I was talking to Darius yeah. yesterday, Sean, and, and I said to him, I thought that defensive back was going to ask you to dance the way he was clutching you. And, and he had you for about five seconds in the end zone with his arm wrapped around you. I was waiting for a little dosy dough. Yeah, And, and Paul, he goes, look, man, I, want, I wanted the touchdown catch. He goes, the interference was great. I'm glad they called it first down at the one. But he's like, I wanted to get that touchdown catch. <laughs> Paul, you'd be shocked. Ravens fans are still five days later complaining about that call, saying he can't call in that spot. What are you talking about? He was freaking mugged. Jags giving up 89 rushing yards per game. So, again, they have a taste of the Deceiving, though. Deceiving because teams have been throwing on them, yeah. not having to rely on the running game because right. they it, 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 it alters the numbers. Now, that being said, it is time annually for our fantasy versus reality segment plus our game picks as we look ahead. By the way, weather looks crisp, Paul. What are we going with? Nice polo down there in Jacksonville? You making the trek? What are you doing? No, no. It's it's always suit and tie. That's that's game okay. day attire. Paul, I didn't know. I figured maybe a little Florida. You put on your Florida wear, you, you, you know, your beach cabana. We'll see. All right. I down promise you this, Sean. I'll be down <laughs> on the bench about two hours before the game trying to get some of this tan restored. You got to get it back. You have to get it back, Paul. I do. Time's ticking here. We're going to be at Thanksgiving before we know it. All right. Fantasy versus reality. Uh, Paul went first last week. I'll go first this week. Uh, the reality of this game, and I think we just touched on it, I think that you see the Giants' best passing game of the year. I, I don't think it's a fluke that the Jaguars are giving up these passing yards. I think Daniel Jones definitely has it in it. I don't think this is the kind of game where you're going to see, you know, 180 from Daniel Jones. By the way, receivers have to catch the ball, too. Can't have the drops like we've seen through some of these games. I think Daniel Jones is going to get over 250 through the air in this game, and I think he gets a couple touchdown passes. Uh, but I think that that's going to be a situation here where I think the Giants – reality-wise, we'll be passing the ball. I'm going to give you a fantasy play, Paul. First time we've done this on one giant step, I'm going with an opponent, only because I know it's a remote thrower. I know it's going to bother me, and I know it won't bother me by the end of the game, but it'll bother me in real time. Evan Ingram's going to catch a damn touchdown pass on the Giants. He's dropped too many of them for them. He's totally going to catch one in this first half, and it is going to annoy the living you-know-what out of me. Play Evan Ingram because that's just how things... You saw Andrews tear apart the Giants a week ago. Evan Ingram ain't going to drop a pass this week. It's going to drive me nuts. There's quite a, a gap between an Andrews and an Ingram, I, I might add. Oh, I, oh, we know, Paul. We know. <laughs> we know. But this will be the week he's tasting the end zone. There's no doubt in my mind. I, I, I have a very strong belief that McKinney and Love know enough about Evan Ingram not to let him break free on a big game. I mentioned Richie James before. I think Richie James may lead the Giants receivers in catches and yardage. 
but I don't necessarily think he's going to be a guy who will find the end zone. I like Bellinger to find the end zone once, maybe even twice. But I do think that in terms of receiving catches and yardage, I don't know how these people play fantasy. Sometimes they have different rules. So I'll go Richie James. Okay, there you go. And now time for our game predictions. We basically have teased it for 26 minutes. If you think me and Paul are going to come out here swinging, picking the Jaguars, you haven't paid attention at all to the first 26 minutes. How many times am I going to tell you I think the Giants could score 30 points? I'm taking the Giants to score at least 30. Give me a 31-14 game. The reason I'm not picking any field goals here, I think Doug Peterson is going to be ultra aggressive. It wouldn't shock me if the Giants get one or two or even three fourth down stops in this game defensively. I could see this being a spot where Peterson tries to show a little confidence and his quarterback, get him going. But Wink Martindale and giant defense, they will lick their chops at third and fourth down opportunities. So I don't think you're going to get a lot of field goals out of the Jags. They, again, I think Evan Ingram is going to find the end zone. Maybe Kirk breaks one free on Holmes. But ultimately, I think this is a very comfortable for once giant victory. 31 to 14, Paul. Let's go, baby. Yeah, I understand your reasoning with Peterson because he does love to go for fourth down. So I think you make a very interesting point there. And it almost makes me want to alter my pick of 27 to 16 Giants. I do think it's a double-digit win. Um, and and actually, the, the the scout that I was talking to said to me, this this should not make you sweat, and you should not have any agita at all this week. Uh, and I and I see I see it that way. I really do. But but I do have I do have the Jags scoring 16. Um, I think they will turn the ball over at least twice. I'm thinking two picks on Lawrence. Uh, and uh, I just think that, you know, the Giants coaching staff from the very minute that they walked off the field against Baltimore told their guys, this is just another step. And they're not they're not getting too giddy over this. Yes. And it would be very easy to. And a lot of fans have been giddy over this Giants team. Um, I spoke to a couple of players in the locker room yesterday, and I won't tell you who they were because it wouldn't be fair. But they all said to me. This coaching staff was all business after that Ravens game and made sure to hammer home the point. It's just another game. It's just another notch in their belts, and they are not to start feeling good about themselves because the job is nowhere near done. As Dable said to us in the presser, and I think it's appropriate because I think it's very similar to what he said to his players, you give everything you have in preparation during the week, You put it all out there on Sunday, full effort, 60 minutes, empty the chamber, flush it, and then Monday you build it all back up again. And that's just the way he wants this team to be. It's a mentality that he will not, he will not allow this team to start drinking that blue Kool-Aid and to get too overconfident against anybody. I believe him. I believe in the staff. And I think the Giants will go out there and be very businesslike in Jacksonville. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and, and I'll close with this point. Uh, I, I work over at our sister affiliate, the BetQL Network, and kind of looking over at these lines and stuff, too. Um, this line has moved the point, which means public money has come in on the Jacksonville Jaguars here, and I think that there is this outside of New York bubble that looks at the Giants these couple of weeks and says, and PFF is one of these Obviously, we know PFF, too. This is still the worst 5 and one team. The Giants aren't very good. They'd be underdogs. Yeah, okay. what, we've heard it all. We've heard it all, yeah. right? 
Yeah. What what these betting numbers don't take into account oftentimes is literally the coaching aspect of schematically game to game. It, it so often is about talent, talent, talent. And there's kind of this lazy narrative of, well, you come off winning games versus the Packers and Ravens. Eventually, there's a letdown. There's a letdown. There's a letdown. Well, if you follow the Giants, you follow Brian Dable's Giants. They are in no position to be in a letdown mentality. This is not a team feeling themselves or anything like that. So I think there is this wave of from the gambling aspect, and that's why you see the numbers, see the Giants as underdogs. The expectation is coming that, well, it's natural in the NFL to have a letdown after all the highs. This is not a team built to feel themselves and have a letdown like you just said, Paul. And I think that's why you see the line that way, and that's why it would behoove you to jump the other way and get on Big Blue here. I would add one other thing, Sean. I think that if Brian Dable needed any tools at all to help hammer home his point, Vegas just helped him out by making the Giants an underdog. Yeah, Yeah. unbelievable. Paul and I both think double-digit Giant wins. Did you think we could be here in October saying confidently double-digit Giant wins? (laughs) And by the way, we're not homers. I can't call Paul homer either. I mean, we picked them to lose the last couple. I thought they'd win last week, but Paul's picked them to lose two straight weeks. We're back on the train. Giants-Jaguars Sunday, 1 o'clock. And if our predictions hold true, we will be here on a Victory Monday podcast recapping it all and getting the Giants at 6-1 and looking ahead to Seattle. Long way, long weekend to go before then. But an unbelievable weekend, Paul. All have a lot of fun in Florida, man. I appreciate it, my friend. We'll try to send some sunshine back here to New York. I love it. At Giants WFAM, where you can get Paul at Mraz CBS, M-R-A-Z CBS. Subscribe, download, listen. Everywhere podcasts are available and free on the Odyssey app. Thanks for taking one giant step with us. Awesome.